Thanks for listening. Uh, this is the first episode of the Monthly Voyage podcast, a podcast about pro wrestling Noah. Um, my name is Nikki. I'm here with my guest host. I'm yellow. I like how and, you open with thank you for listening. It's yeah. like, that's the episode. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, you want to thank him at the beginning because listen, I have worked a lot in uh, information technology and I know people only listen to the first like three minutes of anything and then they stop. So you want to thank him immediately, guilt trip them into listening to the whole thing. And that's why I started that way. <laughs> I like that. Welcome to our podcast. I hope you feel the pressure. Oh, uh, um, I, I, uh, so I, I don't really know a lot about Noah. Um, and Yellow is like definitely the Noah expert of the two of us. <laughs> um, I, I really, so the way I got into pro wrestling Noah is like uh, when I was younger, I would read like onewrestling.com uh, and mostly be reading like Ring of Honor, um, Ring of Honor and Full Impact Pro results because I couldn't like afford to buy dvds so i just read the results online and i would oh and i would see these names like go shizaki and uh nomichi marfuji and i had like in kenta and like had like no idea who these people are but like it seems like people were like really excited to see them and i just like never never got a chance to um so those names were just like always always on my mind um and then you know years and years later um i was uh, getting more into independent wrestling and i uh i ordered a Ultraman's black black flag T-shirt, and he actually oversold them. So the people that ordered the back half of them, he wanted to like give them a bunch of like extra stuff because we had to wait a while to get our shirts. And so he sent me like a a pig destroyer CD. Um, he sent me like a bunch of like trading cards, and then he sent me this uh, Pro Wrestling Weekly Japanese wrestling magazine. And the cover of it oh. was and the cover was Masawa's funeral. Oh wow. Yeah, this so like two thousand nine, a while ago, two thousand ten. Yeah, it was like two thousand ten. Yeah. It was like two thousand ten because Misawa died in two thousand nine, and I think yeah. I think I think I got the magazine in two thousand ten, and then I actually had Chris Jericho autograph it in two thousand eleven because the back cover of it was a SmackDown tour and Jericho was like front and center, the biggest person on it. Um, and this is actually a really cute story. Um, I waited in line to meet Jericho, and I had him. I had brought that magazine to sign. I had to, like buy a Fozzie CD to like meet him, <laughs> and he he looks at the magazine and he's like, "Oh, do you do you like Japanese wrestling?" And I was like, I had to say like, "Not. Nah, I don't know a lot about it. Um, but I really like independent wrestling." And, he's, and he says to me, "Who are the independent wrestlers I need to be on the lookout for?" And so this is like 2011. So I said, "John Boxley." Eddie Kingston and Sammy Callahan because I was like a big CZW mark at the time and I only regret seeing Sammy Callahan. <laughs> I thought the other two That's were pretty really cool story. Yeah. So yeah, so yeah, it was um, you know, Masawa's death, getting that magazine, um, also like being really into shoot interviews and listening to Chris Hero talk a lot. Uh Chris Hero at the time was touring Nor Noah um when Masawa died. So he came back, he'd give a lot of interviews and things like that. And so you starting to get, I was starting to get like the understanding of what Noah was, why it was important, but didn't really like delve into it at all. And then, you know, you wrote that Go Shiyazaki article last year, at late last year, like, I think it came out in December, I think. Yeah, December, I think it was December like 31st, which is like, for some reason, each year I get to end my year with like this real fun little wrestling milestone, like. I think 2020 i made this 
video of John Wayne Murdoch and Orrin Veidt, and they like liked it. And we're like, this is incredible, man. Thank you. And I was like, oh my god. And this year, yeah, I got to release another essay, you know, through posts. And those guys are just incredible, so approachable, awesome. And yeah, that essay was, I think I wrote my first Goshiyazaki essay for actually my grad school program back in like January of 2021. So this was definitely like a year long kind of journey that I wanted to do. And especially, I think once shiozaki dropped the belt to muto and you know took time off i really had a lot of time then to really go back and go back and go back and keep learning and studying this one title reign which i feel like really opened up so much for me um which is awesome yeah yeah the way you wrote about wrote about it just made me like really really interested and like you know you've been talking about noah for a while the joke is always that like Muto is you know your favorite wrestler of all time and uh <laughs> <laughs> fucking and you, Muto man yeah and, you know I was just um towards the end of the year I was starting to just like try to shed things that like I wasn't like totally invested in, in my life and uh try and like you know really put in the time into things that like I'm very interested in so I decided that 2022, I was going to watch um, the Noah main event scene because I was intrigued by Go. And I'm going to watch, you know, the Stardom shows and AEW shows. And I think that's going to be, like, everything that I want out of wrestling, you know. You have, like, the fu- the heavyweight scene in Noah right now is crazy. It's just all hard hitters and badasses. And there's, like, no bullshit involved except for Muto. But, like, if you just don't watch the Mudo matches, it's fucking awesome. <laughs> no, 100%. Um, and I will say, I'm really happy that, you know, they've transitioned Mudo out of the singles scene, for the most part, into the tag division. Yeah. I think that Marufuji is someone who can really help him carry his matches. You get those Mudo spots, but then you get actual wrestling when Marufuji goes <laughs> in the ring. Not just laying down on the mat for 20 gut. I will never forgive Mudo for laying on the map for 24 minutes of his 30-minute draw with Takashi Sugiyara. Like, how frustrating. Like, to me, uh, that's just simply indefensible. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. I just I don't get it. Um, so, yeah, how did you yeah, no, I would get say, into Noah? Oh, okay. Yeah, um, how did you get into Noah? That's what I want to know. So, I guess, you know, I'll go back into kind of how I got back into wrestling because I think the first event I ever watched, I didn't really watch during the Attitude Era, during WCW, didn't ECW. I started with WrestleMania 20. That was like my first event. I had such a crush on Randy Orton. That was like how I found out I was queer. <laughs> yes. Um, I like do the pose. I remember once I was in like a hot tub in like freshman year of high school. And they were like, all right, guys, you have to say one guy you have a crush on. And I was like, Randy Orton and I went first and everyone was like, ha, ha. and then no one else went. And I was no! just like, but um, yeah, that's why I'm an RK ho. So and uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I fell. I only watched for probably three years. I think it was once Carlito really came in and started feuding with Cena. I was just kind of out, lost interest. And then CM Punk, Money in the Bank, 2011. That's when I came back. I was really in a hardcore. Heard a lot of cool things about CM Punk. You know, some people like Toby Morris from H2O post about him. Get back into WWE. 
all of a sudden I'm like, oh my God, Seamus and Mark Henry, this like the bro kick through the barrier, um, Sin Cara getting destroyed on the ladder. Like it was a really cool reintroduction. Like that's still one of my favorite WWE pay-per-views. Um, and I don't have many anymore. <laughs> so after that, you know, probably within a couple of years, because of people like Punk and Daniel Bryan, you know, I started learning about stuff like PWG and Ring of Honor. And then, you know, I think I got really into PWG 2013, you know, the golden years to like 2017. Um, and I got really into independent wrestling throughout all then. And Ring of Honor, War of the Worlds really opened me up to all the New Japan stuff. I want to say the first Wrestle Kingdom I watched was Nakamura Ibushi. And, you know, and then from there, it's like, okay, more and more people. Nakajima and Mara Fuji are in the 2000, you know, 16, 15 G1s and getting to see people like that in there. And I thought Nakajima was so cool. And I think it was the Suzuki-Goon invasion in Noah. But the one person that actually got me into Noah was Zack Sabre Jr. Because I would see him in PWG and I thought he was so good. And I would like find just his like undercard matches against like Tai Chi that go like eight minutes and are like fairly forgettable. <laughs> like not anything substantial, but I would watch every single fucking Zack Sabre Jr. Noah match. Um, that's when, you know, Kento was leaving. Suzuki Goon Invasion kind of like was really killing the company. You know, not a lot of fun business and stuff. Takayama gets injured. Just so many things, factors kind of pushing Noah into like a dark age. And then I really started watching, I would say religiously again, once the pandemic started, um, just because I was really starved for wrestling content. And that's when I really leaned into Japan. Um, and I think, it, I mean, we could talk about this now if you want, but the clap crowd era in Japan, you know, yeah. everyone has criticized it a lot. You know, yeah. everyone's like, especially, you know, I think certain companies like, New Japan suffer a lot. Oh yeah. Um, oh, yeah. You know, it's like basketball without the noise, pretty much. It's like just all you hear is squeaks on the floor, <laughs> and it's just not super. Like it's not very like atmospheric or fulfilling. But with Noah, it's like it really reminds me of the Apex, you know, UFC events where it's so quiet and you can hear every hit. Every you hit. You can hear like. Oh my God, it's so goddamn good. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And it's like one of those things too where like, you know, I think of the Keno Goshiyazaki 60 minute draw and like how Nakajima, you can hear him screaming the entire time, like finish him, finish him. And it's so intense. And it's like being able to get all of that emotion and all of that physicality and really just bam, like, I think that's what's really propelled Noah is that they really benefited from this, which is yeah crazy to think. It is. Um, it's weird. <laughs> I, th I, it, I don't know if you saw that. I, I literally tweeted like today or yesterday uh, while while rewatching Go versus uh, Sugira. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Um, yeah. That like Noah is actually benefiting from the club crowds. It's crazy, but when yes. when you're building your when you're building your heavyweight division around striking, and they're laying in the strikes, you can even hear forearm hits in Noah. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, like, uh, not just, I feel like in a you know with New Japan or something. You're gonna get like there's always that one forearm from Suzuki that like makes an impact and everyone's like, oh I'm like, 
that's every hit in Noah. Every <laughs> single one. Yeah, exactly. It's everyone. And, you know, like you said, their main event scene is so fresh and it feels like they've kind of discovered these new four pillars, which I'm really a fan of. Yeah. Um, you know, with, you know, and I guess it's, it's easy to compare to, you know, it's kind of like WWE to AEW and vice versa, but I feel like Noah to New Japan is a really good comparison because New Japan really blew up in the mid-2010s because of this big Okada main event style, you know? 30 minutes plus, the first 10 minutes are always really slow and all this stuff, and then it's counter, counter, counter finish. And I think that's become, at least for me, a little bit stale. And, you know, I'm like... It's just kind of the point where I feel like it looks incredible, but it's almost like an autopilot for me, like especially Osprey Okada and stuff like that. Um, so to see like this really stripped down version of that main event scene, like, I mean, Noah main events go longer than most New Japan main events at this point. Except for but one like, that we're going to talk are... about today. <laughs> yes, like, but they are so good. And like, there's something about their really methodic pace, which it can end at any time. Like any we'll talk moment, about yeah. Keno oh, yeah. Unaki. Oh yeah, um, oh like, yeah. You know, I can't think of a time New Japan has really shown us that since I'm thinking like Hiromu Takahashi versus Kushida when it was like that three minute match at Dominion. Um, but yeah, like their main event scene, what you have Nakajima, Go, Kitamiya, or no, Nakajima, Go, Kiyomiya, and Keno are like their really new four pillars. You have people like Kitamiya and Yoshiki Inamura that are on the rise still. Um, you still have like the old vets, Kotaro Suzuki. You have young people like Daiki Inaba. And then you have like all of the M's Alliance and Sagira Goon guys who are like the most badass 45 plus dudes. They're all 50. Ever they're all 50 plus. Yeah, they're all 50 plus. N1 victory. Yeah, like their version of the well, their round one tournament, round robin tournament, the N one. I think there's 16 people, and like seven of them were over the age of 50 or something like that. And I don't care. I'll watch Akatoshi Saito fight, you know, Fujita for the for again and again and again because I love it. Um, and I, I'll say too, I think something else that really makes Noah successful, and you know, the majority of these companies outside of New Japan. All Japan, Big Japan, DDT, Zero One, all this stuff is, they're all pretty much working together now in one form, in one way or another. You know, like M's Alliance, you have Yuko Miyamoto from 666 in Big Japan, who's their death champion. You have Masaaki Mochizuki from Dragon Gate, you know, uh, Masakatsu Funaki from Pancrase. All these fucking people come in. Now you have um, Ita from Dragon Gate in their junior division, and they are creating such a wealth of pro wrestling talent from all across Japan that it really feels like the place to be right now. Like New Japan versus Noah felt like New Japan is like, okay, Noah is so popular and hot right now. We need to work with them. And that's like pretty fucking special. Um, you know, and I guess tell me to shut up at any time, but looking at where Noah was two years ago, three years ago, long story short, you know, they really felt like they were going to get bought by WWE and get turned into NXT Japan. Um, they were then kind of saved last minute and they were bought by Vedette UWF, who then kind of realized, okay, there's not a lot we can do with them. So they sold them the cyber fight. Vedette now owns Glate. Yep. And um, so I say it all worked out for the best, but like 
man, they were end of days and now they're like yeah. Budokan multiple times a fucking year. And like, yeah. this is probably their biggest year since, you know, the Masala Kobashi era. And it's very exciting, which I think is, you know, starting this year too, it's the best time to get into this. So yeah, I'm it's, in, it's an, it's an interesting parallel to like, um, the all Japan that was split in that when that split happened, everyone was like, all Japan is done. It's dead. How can they recover from this? They only have two roster members left. And then, yeah. and then 2001 was a humongous year for all Japan. So, like you, you just never, you just never know. You never know what's going to happen to a company. Um, and sometimes it's just one, one piece of, of um, something that 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 causes the company to have to struggle through it. They can blow up at the at the end of it. So, it's very very cool. segment um i want to talk about just like what we've been watching outside of noah the past week even though this is a monthly podcast i think it'd just be cool to you know touch upon like what else we're sampling from around the world of wrestling this week so uh my two my two matches that i that i wanted to talk about um that well the first match that i want to talk about that i watched this week was cm punk versus mjf uh aew um i believe that was february 2nd in chicago i thought that match was so fun <laughs> um you know I, I they worked this like really fun slow rick flair 80s main event like house show uh pander to the audience like match you know with uh punk seemingly uh putting all the heat on mjf the whole match the whole match was cm punk shine except for the two finishes obviously uh and i just i i, I loved that they just went through all these different spots they had a lot of uh, they they re recalled spots from CM Punk versus Jimmy Rave, which I thought was a really nice tribute um, to the memory of Jimmy Rave, especially because that was one of you know CM Punk's huge stories that he did in Ring of Honor that really helped propel him as a babyface because he had this like you know going against Jimmy Rave, who was like the evilest evil dude in Ring of Honor at the time. Like it was awesome for Punk. So seeing them just taking that and like shifting it but also calling back to the 80s, but making it fresh for 2022. I thought it was a brilliantly laid out match. Um, I adored the camera work at the end of the match where, you know, they zoom in on Punk and, and Wardlow having the stare off. And then the replay shows you, boom, the other angle. And during that standoff, Wardlow's handing off the diamond ring to MJF. Like, I thought that all that stuff was awesome 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 work and uh i don't know did you did you catch that match this week yeah that was actually the only one i got to catch so i have class during aw which really sucks but um yeah. yeah i um i thought it was a good match uh i think you know when punk first came back and fought darby it was like a good match but it was one of those things where you're like okay are we gonna really get to see like a lot of new stuff from punk and this run he's been on and i think we're going to talk about it a lot you know in reference to noah but is wildly like historically conscious all of yes. these callbacks like you're yes. saying you know? like his match with wardlow with all of the brett spots um and i think that 
that has always been, you know, sort of part of his repertoire. But now he's really getting to execute it on a whole nother level because he's in AEW. And I think his in-ring work has been phenomenal. Like yeah. his match against Eddie <laughs> Kingston is one of the best punk matches I've ever seen. I love how he seems to be like this, you know, not just CM Punk, like, because he's done a lot since he left WWE, the way he, you know, incorporates MMA elements um, into his moveset now. Um, the way, like, his different attires, I think, do so much for his character and for the matches yeah, yeah, themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, his MMA shorts for Kingston, you're like, this is going to be a fucking this fight. Be a fight. His, yeah. You know, his traditional classic CM Punk um, trunks, you know, trunks. It's like, yeah. This is going to be a fucking classic CM Punk pro wrestling main event. Um, and then his long boys, it's like, I don't know what the fuck's going to happen here. But yeah. Brett, I those are the, the long boys are the Brett matches. The long boys are the Brett matches. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. That's very true. Um, that's a great point. I didn't think yeah. about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, the only thing I really didn't like was literally just the last punch that MJF gave him. It was one of those things where I'm like, okay, like when I'm watching a match and like I can feel that fucking like just greatness i'm like oh all they have to do is land the fucking plane now and that punch just looked like total shit to me <laughs> like i'm a, i'm really like critical about that stuff because i'm like okay it was 38 minutes of so good and then it just looked fake at the very very end and i'm like that should have been a decimating blow um i gave it four stars though i liked it a lot you know I thought that MJF got a lot of heat. Again, it's one of those things where you're like, fuck, I hate this guy. But then you're like, damn, he can wrestle. He's well. so good. So, He's so good. And he really wrestles. Yeah. It's like, it's really amazing. Um, awesome. I'm glad you enjoyed that match. I, I, I really, I yeah. really liked it. I liked it more than you did, but like, I like, I liked it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the other one I want to talk about, I hope you get a chance to see this match if you haven't, but Mayu Iwantani versus Julia from January 29th, Nagoya, uh, stardom. Did you did you see this match? Yes. Um, I watch every stardom show yeah. pretty much. Yeah. They this are... match. I, you know, okay, you know I'm a, I'm a Tam fan. So when I yeah. found out that it was not going to be this, like, two-fall match that Tam was going to be in, I was like, that's kind of a bit of a bummer. But um, there's n no way that triple threat could have been anywhere close to the level of this match. Yeah, where the fuck? I just realized Tam wasn't even on that card. She was. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, her Waka is her Waka, and I believe Mina, maybe, or is her Waka and someone else? Um, all have, were out um because of COVID. Okay, okay. I was like, yeah. wait, where's Tam? Yeah, they've been um, using the language yeah. like poor physical condition to mean COVID. In start. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Well, yeah. you know, speedy recovery and best wishes to them. Yeah. This match fucked me up. I <laughs> love a blockbuster fight. Like, yes. a lot of people are incredibly critical of draws. I think, like, last year for, like, my top, I did top 100 matches, but for my top 10 matches of 2021, you know, my favorite match was the Nakajima-Keno 60-minute draw. After that was the Fury-Utami 30-minute, 44-minute knockout. And then after that was Jake Lee versus Kenta Miyahara, 60 minute draw. You know, Paige and Omega, or Omega, Brian. Yeah. Paige, Brian, <laughs> just so many amazing draws. Yeah. So, and sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll watch the wrestling 
with just a little bit less volume. So, you know, Steph will be home, my partner or something. And so I couldn't hear the time calls in this match. So I just see them going at a fucking breakneck speed, brutalizing each other. Mayu just nails that moonsault on Julia's jaw. She's like, like, he's like, she could barely get up the ropes. She's wobbling to get her balance to do the moonsault oh my God. and then the way she does the moonsault is just like she's so blown up she's exhausted she can barely make the rotation and then her knee clips julia right across the cheek she starts bleeding out oh my yeah, god because it looks like she just had a chin strap of blood so i'm like where the fuck is she even cut what's happening and then they just hit each other more with like a couple more killer moves I love that that was a number one contenders match. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Um, like, who's the contender? Um, but, you know, I'm really excited. The way, the way that they're doing it, it, do you know how they're doing it? Do you know what the result of it is? Because uh, so originally, you know, it was going to be the triple threat where the the winner of the, the first fall got to choose if they were going to challenge for the red or white belt. And then the winner of the second one would challenge for the other one. So what they're doing instead of that is um they're letting both of them challenge i believe for the red belt and um there's like a two there's like back-to-back shows and so mayu because mayu is a more senior wrestler um she got to choose of which day she wanted her because they drew she had to choose which day she wants her um her title shot so she chose the second day so the first day is going to be suri uh versus julia and then the second one is be the winner of the match versus mayu and what Crazy back-to-back main events is that for stardom. Yeah. Well, I mean, those are probably the two biggest matches that you could make for they Siri. Are. Yeah. Um, that's incredible. And Siri is absolutely the talent who can pull that off. You know, I think that without a doubt, she was my wrestler of the year last year along, Naka, along with Nakajima. Um, and I think her five-star Grand Prix, the final day performance, you know, she goes 20-minute draw with Takumi Aroha from Marvelous and then she goes like 20 plus minutes with Momo Watanabe in the main event and like what the fuck those performances are just you know sheer endurance feats spectacles just absolutely impressive that's really cool to hear more than anything though I will say that what I'm really excited about in stardom right now is prominence you know this ice ribbon exodus Thecla just winning the SWA women's title. Mariah having too. a remarkable, yeah, R- Mariah having a remarkable main event. Yeah, um, that was very Siri good. For the title. That was very, very good. Per- I put that in my notebook. Perfect ways, yeah, perfect ways to introduce them and elevate new talent. And Prominence, I think, is going to be my favorite faction of the year. They already are. I am a huge Ice Ribbon nerd. And now for, you know, Fujita, Miyagi, um, fucking sarah suzuki i always forget the the fifth woman's name you said miyagi you said miyagi is it is it andres miyagi no no, no okay I was, okay because i was like there's no way she's back like she's not back in stardom so no no so she actually is i think maybe the only or the, the she was the first contracted women's wrestler for glate and she goes by the name uh, Michiko Miyagi now. Okay, and she cool. does not have the, she doesn't have the spiked hair. Okay, Hiragi Kurumi, that's the fifth. But yeah, Risa Sarah challenged Julia for Ryogokutan in March, 
Yeah. Um, I'm really hoping we get like a Suzu Suzuki versus Izumi or something like that. Stardom is so exciting. Um, in terms of some other stuff I've been watching, DDT sort of their ultimate tag league, which is always worth a watch. You know, you have like got Tak uh, Takeshita is teaming with Yuki Ueno, which is insane. Shuma Katsumata with Mao. Um, Junakiyama with Tetsuya Endo, who just started this new faction called Burning, which, you know, is a nod to the Burning stable in all Japan, which is really, really yeah. cool. Just so much great shit. There's um, Katsusada Higuchi with his, with uh, Hideki um, Okutani. Okutani's a young guy, super skinny, like an old Zack Sabre Jr., but Gucci's just like a six foot four fucking Haas, and he's taking him under his wing. Wing, I love it. It's like a red Narita and Shibata almost, uh, but a much smaller Narita. Um, you know, Dragon Gate is on fucking fire right now. Um, they started the year off with splitting up Masquerade, their massive babyface unit. Red just split up after what feels like half a decade together, if not longer. They're now called Zebrats. All of this crazy shit. The name is so in good. Terms of, yeah, Zebrats. Just crazy so shit. Um, just really, really fun stuff. Um, they are so good. It, their cards are really fun because it's a perfect blend of storyline matches, DQs, and just really remarkable in-ring work. Um, and then other than that, just catching up on some independent stuff, you know, like just checking out matches here and there. Biff Busek just returned against yep, Slade. Yep, yep. Um, Brian Keith is getting a lot Matt. of hype right now. Right, right. Brian Keith is getting a lot of hype right now. I haven't seen any of his work yet. Brian Keith. I haven't seen any of his he work is yet. So good. Where did I first saw him? Somewhere like Time Bomb or New Texas. Back when I was like joke watching New Texas <laughs> at the beginning of the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, 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 everyone yeah. was everyone was making fun of me for watching New Texas, and now <laughs> Mysterious Q is getting booked in GCW. Yep, yep, These yep. fucking Texas guys are huge. Um, yeah, Brian Keith, if you want to see some remarkable Brian Keith matches, him versus Kevin Koo from Time Bomb Pros, Violence is Forever, the show with Garini versus Suzuki, and his match against AJ Gray from, I think it's the first Texas show, I think it's the one where AJ comes back out and challenges Cologne for the ultraviolent title after, Okay, but it's like a 20-minute Kings Road style match. Keith is a total Kings Road style wrestler, just incredible all around. He I'm does to some check really him out. good. Uh, he does some good matches in the pit too, believe it or not. So he's really sick. Um, but yeah, just checking out all of that independent stuff. AC Mack versus Alex Shelley for the IWTV title from Action is incredible. You know, getting to see your first ever gay world champion, much less black yep, gay yep, yep. Um, world champion, is a remarkable moment. One of those great, great presentations. So yeah, that's what I've been. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard a lot of really awesome stuff about. Uh, the AC Mac angle and like, um, I heard the match was great. I heard the post match was like even better. Um, so yeah, I, I, I've been, I've been really, uh, sleeping on the American Indies lately, but, uh, yeah, that's the, I'm interested in checking some of that stuff out. So maybe, maybe I will. All right. Well, cool. That's what we've been watching from around the world of wrestling. And now it's time to delve into the January voyage of pro wrestling Noah. Here we 
are the January Voyage of Pro Wrestling Noah in 2022. Uh, we picked out some of the, our favorite matches from the, this month uh, that we want to talk about. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through, and I took some notes while watching uh, Goshizaki versus Katsuhiko Nakajima. Yeah, Katsuhiko. Katsuhiko Nakajima. This was uh, January 1st for the GHC Heavyweight title. All right, so so here we go. So we got uh, we got here Nakajima is the champion and jo- Go Shiozaki is the challenger. Um, the premise of this match pretty much is Go Shiozaki wants to be able to stand in the ring and declare that I am Noah. He went through all this animosity uh, with uh, shoulder surgery and he's coming back and he just wants he wants to be the GHC champion one more time, prove that he is. He's carrying the legacy of the original Noah. And then we have Nakajima, who also wants to be able to say, I am Noah. But he is not using English. He's saying it in Japanese. So he's showing that he, um, while he may not, while he still ha- he has some ties to the original Noah, like Go does, which we will talk about, he is trying to forge his own way through Noah instead of, constantly looking backwards like Ghost Shizaki does. That's what I got from the build-up to this match. Yeah. Um, um, you know, I think there's so much history between them being tag team partners, and then you go back to all the way to, like, I think it's 2006 or seven. their match with, um, you know, Shizaki with Kobashi, Nakajima with Sasaki, and that tag match is one of the all-time great tag matches, so... I mean, they've been on and off rivals for 15 years. Their tag team axis exploding, Nakajima's betrayals. And then I think there's a lot to say, too, about when Go Shiyazaki left, you know, his whole narrative up until then was he was betrayed by his tag team partner. Then he dyes his hair blonde. And then, you know, he goes through all this shit. And you look at Nakajima post Shiyazaki's, you know, break from his injury and the first thing that happens to Nakajima is that his tag team partner betrays him. <laughs> Nakajima then is in the first ever cage match in Noah history, has to shave his hair, and then he grows it back blonde. And it almost feels like he is cleansing himself, donning on this new persona, but it's almost in, like, parallel to go. Yes. Like, he wins the N1, he starts doing all this stuff, and, like, but it very much feels like him trying to write his own history as well. Yes. You know, his first challenge is against Tanaka, who he just couldn't seem to beat. Um, and then I think what really is special about this match is um, the match before, you know, where Go returned in November is Nakajima and Keno, the 60-minute draw. It ends with Nakajima throwing three Gowan lariats which are like Go's finishers yeah. from Kobashi. Yeah. And those are things that he never does traditionally. And immediately after, Go comes out, and it's almost that thing where it's like, if you look in the mirror and you say Beetlejuice three times, <laughs> it's going to summon them. And it's like those three lariats summoned Go. And, you know, much like you said about Nakajima pushing towards the future and Go living in the past, I think that Go's success really came from his living for the past but, you know, him coming out at the beginning of this match in an even more explicit Misawa-style Oh, my gosh. Gear, yeah. Like, I almost cried. It was so emotional. But then it made me think of this book, um, The Body Keeps the Score, you know, regarding trauma. And there's this whole chapter on these Vietnam vets who, you know, always wear their stuff because they feel like they essentially have to live for these people now. 
And now I'm wondering, you know, is Go's, um, you know, is this urge to live and embody the past, is that starting to take away from who he is now? Is it becoming too much? And I think that will become an interesting narrative throughout, you know, the years. We'll pro- I see we're going to talk about it at the end, but with his series and matches now. So, yeah, yeah, I'm excited. Let's talk about Go versus Nakajima. All right. So here we go. All right. So. We open the match with a, a really tense, long stare down. I believe this is a callback to was it Go Shizaki versus Fujita, or was that what the matchup was? Yeah, and yeah. what's great too is anytime Go and Fujita still step in the ring, they just did a six man this past month, and they still do stare downs. Like yeah. that's it. That's, it was it's awesome. Like an ongoing story. It's awesome. It was awesome, and it's way. It was a way different way to start the match than every other match that we're going to talk about today. So, yeah, they open up with this very intense, long stare down. We have a head drop German suplex from Go Shizaki immediately. Once they lock up, we know that this match is very, very intense from here on out. Um, we have, uh, we have uh, Nakajima doing this, like, cool quarter move where Go is, like, down in the bottom of the, of the turnbuckle. And Nakajima has his feet on Go's throats while he's just, like screening between the second and third rope just like look at how fucking cool i am um but it's like way more extravagant than i've ever seen anyone do this move it was so cool um it's um it's one of those moments where you can see that the wrestlers like setting themselves up for the pro wrestling weekly magazine like, <laughs> yeah Koda. definitely like, those, but he always smiles when you see all the flashes on him that's what's so great <laughs> yeah uh so we got goes goes uh kobashi chops look and sound so brutal uh, they eventually um, tumble out of the ring to the ramp, and we have a Death Valley driver on the ramp from Nakajima to Go Shiyazaki. They're down for a little bit. They get back up, and we have a German suplex off of the ramp to the floor from Go Shiyazaki to Nakajima. And at that moment, I was like, I'm watching an all-time great match. <laughs> yes, and um, again, going back to that historical consciousness, that is a callback to... It's, I know it's Misawa, and I want to say yep. it's Misawa Kobashi. And, I, you know, that's a spot that they always I think do, it's so. Misawa Kawada, actually. Okay. Yeah, because I, 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 I might be wrong. I might be wrong. No, I, I just know it's Misawa, that's all. Yeah. Um, but I've been watching Noah from the beginning now. And, you know, it's a spot that they tease a lot. Like, the first really big Kobashi Akiyama match, they do that. And it's just so cool. Like, it's almost like a signature Noah spot where it's like, let's kill each other. That's what I love about Noah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So eventually they get back in the ring. Nakajima's kicks sound like bombs are being dropped. Like landmines are exploding. Go Shizaki's chops sound like gunshots. They're just lighting each other up in the middle of the ring. We have a, we have a superplex and then a huge lariat. And then we have another huge lariat, and then we have a moonsault on misses. It's fucking crazy. Nakajima hits a, a wild brain buster, and he does this pinning combination where his right arm grabs Goshizaki's right left leg, and then his right leg cradles Goshizaki's right leg while he pins his whole body weight on him. One of the coolest pinning uh, pins I've seen in like a very, very long time. Um, so after that, Gro- Go slowly crawls back up, and Nakajima hits him with 
oh my god, the Emerald Flosion? And wins the match. So, I thought this match was, like, insane. It's gonna be... Well, it did get topped a couple days later by um, Brian Danielson and uh, Adam Page, but I thought that this match... When I watched it, I was like, no, nothing's gonna top this whole match this, this year. This is insane. Um, I loved... I loved while Goshizaki does don the Misawa colors, he mostly uses the Kobashi moveset. He does the moonsaults, he does the lariats, like he does the the chops in the corner, the the machine gun chops. It's a lot. It's a lot of Hinta Kobashi um, movesets. So that's why I thought it was so poetic that Nakajima pulled out the Emerald Flosion, which was Misawa's move, to win the match. Yes, okay, and going, I want to talk about a couple of things, but going back to what you were saying about like the chops and the, the kicks, I really need to know if Nakajima just has the world's best kick pads that explode <laughs> upon impact, or if he just actually kicks that hard, because I know everyone else does kick that hard, like, because Keno doesn't have those fucking things, so... But um, did you get to watch this with English commentary? Or yes, I did. I watched it with English, yeah. So, because oh, yeah. uh, I think Fulton. I think that I think the English commentary is like really impressive, um, Noah. And um, as someone that's new to the product, like they just rattle off the history, like this whole match. When you listen to the commentary, you're getting a podcast history lesson on Nakajima versus Goshiyazaki and everything that goes into everything they've done together. You, it's amazing. No, a hundred percent. Like Pickering and Fulton are my favorite wrestling commentators by far because they're both like you know usually you have a kevin kelly and a chris charlton charlton's gonna know all the history kevin's gonna call it you know um you're gonna have an excalibur that knows all the history and a tone and a jr is gonna call it and then tasa and Fulton, you get yeah you get two guys who fucking both know the history and both call it and um in the keno and nakajima match it's my one of my favorite ever commentary calls that i think perfectly encapsulates the stiffness of Noah. He says more strikes than a matchbox um, <laughs> and more than in a matchbox and more kicks than a sneaker factory. Something <laughs> like that. Just so great and just really, really fun. You know, I think that this match is just everything that you could want. It's one of my all-time favorite matches. I gave this six stars. I went Hell all the way yeah. out. Hell yeah. Like, this was just, it was something that I was waiting for and, like, really anticipating. Um, you know, once Nakajima, not Nakajima won the N1, I was like, okay, he has to win the title. He has to fucking defend against Go at the Budokan. That's what. And then when it happened, I was like, because it's very <laughs> rare that in wrestling, you know, that you have those pipeline dreams, like Takeda beating Drew Parker for the Ultraviolet Championship, coming to America in the pandemic and facing Cologne in the finals. Like, those are pipe dreams, but when it happens, you're like, oh my god, I'm so rewarded as a fan. And um, so, like, from the get-go, this was already an all-time favorite match, so I was very biased. The strikes were phenomenal. I loved how Go seemed to introduce, reintroduce, because, you know, I haven't watched a lot of Go's past work um, yet as I'm working my way through. I feel like the oldest match I've seen is this Nigel McGuinness FIP match, which is yeah. <laughs> so weird because it's like almost like an ICW no holds barred crowd cheering for Go Shiyazaki, not knowing who the fuck this guy is and goes like in America for the first time, like, yeah, with the Japanese flag, like the fuck's going on. Um, Gotta live Clearwater, Florida, um, baby. 
<laughs> exactly. I'm like, where the fuck are you? Crystal River, I think. And um, <laughs> he does those spinning back edge knife chops to the neck. Yes. Like Kobashi. And those are so great. Um, I will say the one thing that I'm still not super clear on is when Nakajima hits that finishing move, Pickering, I know, called it the Emerald Flosion. Yeah. But, and I'm like saying this because I'm like, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm like, ooh. But there's been some debate on whether or not it was actually an Emerald Flosion. I'm pretending that it was. Yeah. But it me could too. have been like almost like a more super vertical spike that he does. But the Emerald Flosion says a lot, you know? And yeah. As you said, like the stipulations for this match, too, were if Go won, then they had to reunite Axis. And then Nakajima said that will never happen. And when I win, you're no longer allowed to say I am Noah. So Nakajima really took things from him. And um, I think that as much as I wanted to go to win, this is Nakajima's time. I mean, you're watching someone right now, I think, become, you know, the Rainmaker. Like, this yeah. is the level yeah. that Nakajima's at right now. He is at that superior level. I think that Go needs to go on that OG Kobashi run, and we'll talk about it, but he needs to lose He's all lose, of his lose, matches lose, lose. right now. I want to see him hit rock and, bottom and then fall and climb his way up because, honestly, that's the story he tells in all his matches. Yes. And, you know, we'll get into it when we talk about him versus uh, Kiyomiya, but they feel very much like kindred spirits in terms of their resilience and the ways that they've evolved through it. Um, you know, my fantasy booking is that Nakajima holds the title for as long as Go did, you know, like, well, 400-something days, and Go wins the N1, and then we get Go versus Nakajima again. I feel like, you know, there's no bigger match than that right now, and I think Noah has really, really succeeded in introducing the national title. You know, it feels just as important right now, which is something that I'm really a fan of, because it was a pretty hard division, you know, when Kiyomiya was champion for almost 400 days, and he's just fighting Nakajima, Sugira, Marufuji, and there's really no other singles competition. And, you know, something else to add, too, that I think is so special about Noah, and I'll also say uh, DDT and All Japan and Stardom, pretty much everything but fucking New Japan, <laughs> is that, you know, like, when is the last time you watched, like, a New Japan show that wasn't a pay-per-view, essentially. Like, who's watching Road to New Beginning shows where it's the same multi-man tags? And on these Noah shows, you're getting goddamn Go versus Kaito out of nowhere. Go versus Masato Tanaka. Go versus Sugira. You're even getting all of these, like, you know, Daisuke Harada versus um, fucking Seki. Or they did, um, was it Keno versus Seki Yoshioka? They're blending their junior and heavyweight divisions. DDT does these really cool special singles matches. All Japan are such easy shows to watch. Stardom with it. And it's like, they really make each show not must-watch, but things to check out. Yeah. And with New Japan, it's like, I'm not getting a lot of that storyline stuff because I don't want to watch Suzuki-Goon versus Los Ingobernables 10, 12 fucking times leading up to Zack Sabre Jr. versus Bushi, right? <laughs> it's just... Yep. Um, there's, they give you a lot to invest in. And I think that's what's really special. Like, you really have time and opportunity to invest in these characters. Um, yeah. In both yeah. collective and singular ways. So, yeah. yeah so, yeah, that match that, was that match was crazy. It was, a, it was amazing. Um, 
and like for it to be the main event of the first show where I'm like 2022 is like my year of Noah and that's the first main event I I realized I made the correct decision here that this is the company oh, that I want to follow not super close but like I'm going to I'm going to sample all the heavyweight action and like honestly over the course of the year I'll probably start watching the juniors too um <laughs> all right yeah so uh the second match I got here was from the same exact show it was uh, Kaito uh, Kiyomiya versus Kano, which I I have seen the name Kano on the internet for years and years and years. I've never seen a match of his. I never even saw a photo of him. So when I saw this, all right, I should, I should go through the dates. It's Kaito versus Kano for the GHC national title January 1st, and it was the semi-main event. The first time I see Kano... <laughs> And he has the dorkiest haircut I've ever seen in my entire life. He just has this, like, stink face on where he's just like, I am just bored. I got nothing going on. I got this weird haircut. I'm just a fucking big-ass dork. And then it's this match. <laughs> he's, like, the ass-kicker of ass-kickers. Like... <laughs> It's just, okay, I'm going to just go over what I wrote down while I watch this match. All right, so we got Kano's entrance is intense and badass. <laughs> Kaito Kiyomiya has a lot of fire to start the match. Uh, Kaito dominates the start, and then eventually uh, Kano, they go outside the ring. Kano takes back control. Uh, Kano disrespects the shit out of Kaito Kiyomiya, just like these weakest, weakest little baby slaps you've ever seen to try and get some fire into the young guy. And it works. Naito hits a crossbody to reset. And then we have... Uh, we have Kano rolling to the outside. We have Kaito going on the top rope and hit... You know, we don't have him going on the top rope. We have him run, jump over the top rope, and hit a swanton bomb to, Kaito on the, or to, uh, to Kano on the outside. Eventually, we have Kano kicking Kaito so hard, he looked like his spirit left his body. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have a German suplex on the ramp, which was a sign of things to come later. Kano doing a double stomp from the top rope to the ramp, which I then learned is called the PFS. Kaito hits a wild move off the top rope that I have no idea what it was called. Uh, you get a PFS from Kano, and Kaito barely, barely, barely kicks out. They get back up. Kaito somehow hits a tiger suplex, kick out from Kano. Kano hits a Snapdragon suplex, kick out from Kaito, and then we just have Kano having the biggest slaps you've ever seen anyone do. I believe they call them open palm strikes. Bam, bam, bam. And then he lines up, roundhouse kick, Kaito yeah. Kiyomiya just collapses, head face down, he rolls over, and the ref calls it. We have a yes. knockout finish in the semi-main. Um, I can't remember the last time I saw a knockout finish in a wrestling match, but that's mostly because I watch American Pro Wrestling. <laughs> um, this match was insane. It was it was what I was looking for. Um, uh, the difference of this match compared to most other uh, wrestling that, that's out there. Watch that match and watch anything from AEW, and it's completely different. Watch that match and watch anything from New Japan, completely different. Uh, it was, I, I couldn't believe it. And what made this match extra special, personally for me, is that a couple of days before I saw this match, 
I was going through that 2017 Vice show called The Wrestlers. Have you seen that show? Um, yeah, that's Damien's show, right? Damien's show, yeah. So yeah. there's an episode where they go up to Native Canadian um, reservations and they show these these small wrestling companies that go up there and put on shows for these people who don't really get a lot of entertainment because they're so, so far out there. And they're just talking about how how cool it is that they like get to bring this to these people that don't get to see it often and how, you know, they have these different, um, you know, it's different to work in front of like a bunch of, a bunch of kids as opposed to like adults. And while they're showing you all these Canadian wrestlers, they show that there's this Japanese wrestler on excursion, this young boy by the name of Kaito Kiyomiya. What? Yes, and so he is just like, you know, it's 2017, it's during his excursion, um, he's getting to see extreme poverty, the likes he's never seen in his life, he's talking about, you know, the differences between wrestling in front of these, like, you know, poor, poor children, as opposed to wrestling in, like, Cork and Hall in front of jaded um, adults, and it's just so fascinating to see, to hear this perspective from this, you know, young Japanese man who is who is seeing extreme poverty in a foreign country for the first time in his life. Um, and I really connected with this kid. I thought he was really cool. I was surprised I had never heard of him before. Two days later, I watched this show. He walks out and he's <laughs> That is so... Are those... Are you talking about, like... I remember there's that great shoot with Omega where he talks about the Canadian death trips. Are these what you're talking about? I'm not like, sure. When just like driving on the fucking ice yes like, yes 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 like it's remote okay and yeah, they're going yeah, like yeah. north they're going like north 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 and like super yeah, like you know yeah. and when they show you know they're selling tickets for like a dollar because like they yeah. the goal the goal of these shows is not to make money the goal of these shows yeah. is to just you know do give back to people who have been wronged so much for 500 years um and that's like you know i thought that was noble and I thought it was like really fucking cool that Kaito got to experience that. Yeah, no, that's I never knew about that. I have to watch that episode. That's yeah, really, yeah, yeah. really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Um, when when Keno, my, sorry, my dog Moxley is barking. Uh, <laughs> Come on, buddy. Um, did when Keno came out, did he do the full Congo entrance like everyone got in the ring with him? No, 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 no. It was no? just okay. Him. That is such a spectacle i love that it's probably the coolest ring entrance because they all do their pose yeah it was and just him awesome is like, i think you did you get to watch the wrestle kingdom with noah in new japan uh i like had it on the background i didn't like really pay too much attention but i think i think they wrestled los ingobernales right yeah and um so what i love is like no manabu soya will come in the ring first and he poses and then each guy comes in and poses <laughs> And like adds another element until Keno comes at the front, and then they're all just like when they go in their position though, they just freeze. It's so <laughs> fucking cool. It's the Ginyu um, Force. Yeah, completely. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I really, I really, really do think this is the most exciting time to be a Noah fan, and a long time to come in and become a Noah fan. Um, Kaito Kiyomiya was someone who I was not sold on for a long time. He had good matches during his title reign, but I felt like a lot of that was because of how good his competitors were. Sugira, Nakajima, 
And, you know, he always had that really blonde, pretty boy look, um, was just like kind of a bland baby face, not a lot of character. And then in the recent N1, he comes out, he no longer has like the shiny, you know, emerald tights, the pretty boy blonde hair. He has like this, you know, black, dyed black, you know, shaved hair now, much shorter, these cool black tights. And he basically said, I'm not here to look cool. I'm here to wrestle now. And he has adopted this wildly new fiery style and confidence. Um, and I, we'll talk about it in our next match. But, you know, a lot of Kaido's old matches, I felt like, were him getting beat the fuck up. And then for like 40 minutes, like Paige <laughs> and Danielson, you know. Yeah. And then yeah. at the end, he finally pulls it off. But he didn't do anything else in that. And now, like you said, like, this match is just kind of going for it, really doing all these things that I felt like he did not do before. And it really feels like he has this brand new confidence to him. Um, but also like, you know, I felt like 2021 did not treat him that well. Um, he lost to Muto a lot. He feuded with goddamn <laughs> Nosawa and Ogawa forever. Um, I don't feel like any of those feuds really did him favors. So as we'll talk about next, you know, Go Shiyazaki, the selfless <laughs> leader that he is, comes in and he's like, well, shit, Kaito hasn't gotten pushed in a while. Let's give him a win. So, and now we'll talk about, yeah, Go Shiyazaki versus Kaito Kiyomiya. Yep. All right, so yeah, that's the next match we got here, January 4th. Go Shiyazaki versus Kaito Kiyomiya. I don't know what the story is behind this match. Um, I was just stoked to see it happen. So, all right, what do we got here? We got... All right, so they both lost on January 1st, so they both need a win to uh, to start off the year well. So they start off the match very even. Um, no one really has much control. Um, but then Go, as we see in like a lot of these no matches, Go ends up taking control outside the ring. Um, but man, this match is just a struggle. They're just go. It's so even keeled. Um, Kaito, but Kaito does have to use a lot more moves to do the same amount of damage as Go. What I was noticing was, like, Go would, like, boom, make a hit, and Kaito would just, like, sell it. Kaito would have to hit Go, like, three or four times, and then Go would sell it the same amount as Kaito. So showing that, you know, even though Kaito is, like, on the come-up, he's still, he's still a kid, you know? He's still not these other guys. Kaito was able to get enough energy to... Okay, so the match just, like, goes on. It's not that long of a match. It's a pretty short match. I think it's only, like... 15 minutes or something under, like that. Yeah, it was under 20, yeah. Yeah, I think it might have been like 13. Um, so yeah, towards the end of the match, Kaido's able to get enough energy to make one more chance, and he hits his Tiger Suplex and wins. So the match was just like the struggle. There were a lot of two counts. Um, they were just like hitting each other, but Kaito was able to summon up enough energy at the end to hit his signature Tiger Suplex and get the win. I thought this match was really cool. I was a little like less high on it on my rewatch as I was the first time I saw it. Uh, but I still thought it was, like, a really, really interesting um, way for them to move from both of their losses on January 1st. Yeah. Um, I love how you brought up that, you know, what's... I think every match where it has a long-term and a short-term storytelling element to it, and that short-term definitely being that they both need a big win. Yeah. Um, yeah, this match, so... What's really special is a year before this, I want to say it was exactly January 4th, 2020. So two years ago is when Go beat Kiyomiya for the title. And that was same. Kurokin Hall, main event. It's where Go debuted his new look, 
where he became the champion, finally like became I am Noah. So to see this match really felt like a benchmark milestone, like everything that these two have done and evolved over the past two years came full circle in this match to me. I thought it was incredible. You know, I gave Kaito Keno a 4.75. I gave Go Kaito a 4.75 as well. Both of these matches, I mean, it was insane to me that within three days, Noah had three match of the year contenders. Yeah, but it was to crazy. me, that really is just that's the Noah main event scene in a nutshell. Yeah. And um, you know, getting to see such insane fire from Kaito against Go. Um, and that I think this match is really what makes, you know, Masawa to Marafuji to go to Kiyomiya feels like this is going to be this new sort of generational feud now, you know, um, which I'm very excited about. And that's no disrespect to like a Sugiura or anyone else. I would just say like those have definitely been the faces for a while, um, you know, and I think that, you know, New Japan, they had like Yorobushi, Naito, Okada, and White. Jay White's gone. Osprey's working fucking warrior wrestling <laughs> Naito is broken down Okada will always be Okada and now you have Shingo who's great and I'm not trying to you know diminish the quality and the work that any of these people have done but you don't really have four pillars there now all of Japan you have Kento and then you have like some tertiary people like that come in and out of the main event scene Yuma Shitaro Ashino you know Suwama and Ishikawa are always pretty much you know orbiting it um, and then in DDT, you have a pretty good thing, but it's like you can really see these pillars in Noah. And when I think that you have that, that is a sign of a great company. However, I will say that with a caveat that the booker is still Nosawa. And I feel like for every great fucking thing he does, he does a Keiji Muto winning the GHC title as well. <laughs> um, so it can, that's the thing about being a Noah fan. It's like, you'll have four really good months and then you'll have like a month where the junior title switches hands four mm. times and you're like, what the fuck is going on? So, um, uh, yeah, well, it's that's very the interesting. Yeah. That's the beauty of, uh, being able to watch all wrestling in the world is that when something's not good, you just don't watch it. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All right. So this next match was a real, okay. I got spoiled on this one, um, on Twitter before I watched it. And when I got spoiled on it, and I saw how long it was. I was like, do I even want to watch this match? And then I watched it, and it was so fucking cool. And this was on January 22nd. And it was Kano versus Funaki for the GHC national, t t national title. This match went, what, three minutes? Yep. This, it was... Like uh, three minutes to 45 seconds, yeah. It was like, all right, so I'm going to... I have a caveat here. Don't watch UFC. I don't watch Gleam. I never watched Pancrase. I never watched any of this like shoot style. I don't even watch Bloodsport. Okay, I don't watch the stuff. This match is what I assume is what all the good stuff from like though that style is. It was cool strikes, a believable finish. Because um, you know, in one of the weirdest disconnects in in wrestling and MMA is that like. When you lock in a submission hold, the match is over in MMA. When you lock in a submission hold in wrestling, you can struggle in that submission hold for 30 seconds and like everything's okay. When in reality, you should be tapping. So the fact that Funaki gets this uh, rear naked choke kind of thing 
at the end of the match, yeah. and then it's just like an immediate like it's over. I thought it was all. I thought it was a really, really fresh. I mean, for me, a fresh presentation of that style of wrestling. Completely, and you know, I think it was such a shock because. Keno had just defeated Kiyomiya in a yeah. 30 minute match. What a knockout! And I think, you know, that's what's. Noah is very good at killing people without killing them, if that makes sense. Like when Fujita killed like Keno with a punt to the head and defeated him for the national title, you're not like, fuck, Keno's done now. You're like, Jesus Christ, he got him. Like that's what it is. It feels yeah, like that's what it's it is. Not like, oh, his character's very it's they caught him. Yeah. And um I, I can't remember if it was WH Park on Post Purez or Dylan on Eastern Lariat, but they were talking, you know, the thing that's so great about this match is that anytime Funaki locks in this choke now in a match, you know, like, oh my fucking god, right? It's not something like Okada's money clip where it's like all right, we're going to sit in this thing for four fucking minutes. Uh, John Cena's STF. Four. Yeah, and I'm just like, all right, fuck, here we go. I can go to the bathroom, come back, and this dude's <laughs> there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was great. I loved the post-match where... Yeah, I was confused. Like, I was confused. I was so, the whole thing that you can explain this. What happened after yeah, the match? So, so are you familiar with like what M's Alliance is? I have no clue. So M's Alliance, like Noah's split into a few factions. You have Congo, um, you have M's Alliance. Those are like your more heavyweight um, yeah. groups. And then there's a lot of factions. In there's like the juniors. There's, there's like the juniors that are their own faction. And then you have um, yeah. uh, Los Paris Del Mal, De Helpon. Yep. Yep. Momone Seishud. So there's a lot of different groups. But um, M's Alliance is just this group of like, Noah people and freelance Sugiura Goon as well. And um, so M's Alliance is like all dudes, all legends and badasses whose names begin with M. That's it. <laughs> Muto, Marafuji, Miyamoto, Mochizuki, Makatsu Funaki, and Masato Tanaka. My That's God, I one. love that. It's just an alliance of people with M in their name. And then, like, so that's really cool. And then you have Sugiyura Goon, which is, you know, Takashi Sugiyura. But then he just works. Like, it's all old, badass MMA guys. Like, um, Katsuyuki Fujita. Um, you have fucking Kazushi Sakuraba, all these guys. So it's, like, really cool factions. But so Masakatsu Funaki is part of M's Alliance. He beats Keno. And he's like, I want to join Congo. And Keno's like, wait, what? <laughs> and everyone's kind of like taken aback and he's like yeah that would fucking rule dude like that would kick ass and he's like hell yeah let's do it and everyone's super stoked on it except nakajima so that's gonna be pretty okay interesting, okay and you know for a while now like congo has really been running the heavyweight scene you know keno and nakajima you know I'm wondering if at some point Nakajima's going to start his own faction and go to war with Congo. I think that could be interesting just because it's been so long that Keno has been the leader, but Nakajima's kind of been like above him in a way. Yeah. And it's it's just a lot of interesting politics and what will happen. Yeah, really fun match. I love a surprise match. Yep. Um, you know, Keno, when I think of the national title, I think of Keno. I think he will absolutely keep revolving around this title scene. It's awesome. I love Masakatsu Funaki, too. He is a guy that can still really grow. Yeah. He's a smart wrestler. I know his first defense is against Masaaka Mochizuki, who is I'm, just... 
in a I haven't seen it yet. I want to. I love. So, I love Mo- Mo- Mochizuki because you know I was an Evolve Mark. <laughs> nice. I think he's in the main event of Evolve One, I believe. Wow. Or it might be Evolve Two. Wow. That's that's so long ago. Like Abushi and Richards and shit. Yeah. Wow. Let's see here. Rest in peace, Evolve. I won't nah, nah, nah. Oh yeah, Abushi uh, was one. I think Mochizuki was two or three. No, okay, I'm like... Yeah, I gotta see... I'm, like, really wrong. Okay, I'm super wrong here. (laughs) Um, I know I... I know I, like, learned about him in this company, though. Maybe it was just Dragon Gate... Maybe it was just Dragon Gate USA. I'm I'm sorry. I just completely derailed everything here. No, no worries. I was gonna say, um... I gotta see Walter versus JD Drake at Evolve in like a Brooklyn Catholic 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 church. That was pretty cool. <laughs> it was gnarly. Um, right. Also, Chris Hero. It was like Chris Hero versus like Baba Tunde or some shit like that. <laughs> I'm looking at Masaki um, Mochizuki's career right now because I need to know where I went wrong here. All right, so <laughs> so let's see here. Uh, right, he he worked Imagine Chikara. That's cool. I guess. Um, okay, yeah, it was Dragon Gate USA. That's what it was. Um, yeah, he he worked like... Oh, yeah, he worked Davey Richards in the main event for the first... I think it was the... Uh, for the FIP world title. Oh, he was the FIP champion? Maybe? What? I'm just going to cut all this shit out. <laughs> but, yeah, no, he... Uh, I'm not actually going to cut it out. He was on DGUSA Fearless. Um, which was like one of the super early DGSA shows, and he wrestled Davy Richards for the FIP World Title, and uh... yeah, Masaki Mochizuki was the FIP champion for only forty-eight days. He uh, won it. He beat Davy Richards for it, and then he lost it to Davy Richards. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, dude, fucking. Our hero, D.B. Richards. And full Impact Pro, baby. We love... <laughs> okay, so for the workers, so that people don't get upset at me, Masaki Mochizuki did not work Evolve. <laughs> we have clarified. We have found the facts. Um, yeah, no, Funaki, I'm happy he's champ. Um, yeah, fights Mochizuki on the 10th, so maybe we could do a little upcoming you know, preview of what's going to happen at the very oh, end. Oh, yeah. But... Yeah. So fe- that would be. Then, called, I'm calling it the February Outlook. It, yeah, there we go for the voyage. <laughs> yeah. The the tra- charting the the route. Yes. Um, Chart February charting February. <laughs> All right. Do you want to do you want do you want to move on to the next match? The next match is January 27th, and it is Goshizaki versus Takashi Sugiura. This is my first Sugiura match. I've never seen him wrestle before. Oh wow. So this is yeah. the first match in Go's like trial or his gauntlet. What is he calling it? And what's the purpose of it? What is it's... this? So Go basically said that for him to, you know, he recognizes that he's no longer the top of the GHC heavyweight title scene and that for him to feel like he deserves it, he needs to, you know, beat people. And so he set up four matches, Sugiura, Marafuji, Masato Tanaka, and Keno. So it's essentially like a trial series for him to become the contender again. And, you know, he lost to Sugira. 
I think he's going to lose all of them. And I think, <laughs> yeah, that I think so too. More compelling. You know, it's like when Ibushi came back in the G1, and I still think it's dumb as shit he lost to Yujiro at first because he could have lost to anyone. But that story of like, this guy's been out for a while, he got his shoulder reconstructed. Like, he's got to work his way back up. He's got to become himself again. And, um, you know, Go versus Sugiura was my 2020 match of the year, 55 minutes. And they were able to condense that down into like a 25 minute presentation here. That was everything that's great about their matches. You know, when Go's like doing those hits at the top of his head, just clubbing. Oh, him. yeah. Oh, um, yeah. And this is like a match where they just, they don't really get, like, when they get hit, they don't crumble so much as just soak it up. Like, they're just like mm -hmm. on their feet still, like, just soaking, like, each strike. Um, it's great. Yeah. What did you think of your first Sugiura match? All right. So, this is what this is. I, I want to read my write up. <laughs> All right. So, it has a slow start with a, feel, a nice, like, feeling out. It's the first feeling out process I've seen in Noah. <laughs> uh, at least in, in a notebook match and one I want to talk about. It's the first one that has an actual feeling out process in the beginning of the match. You know, the lockups, going into the ropes, getting the counts, you know, just trying to figure out wh who the other person is. So, uh, Sugiura starts working, goes leg, his, like, his, like, left, his, like, left knee and his left ankle is just working it over. Go fights out of it and rocks Sugi with the first huge chop of the match. Go's chops, again, sound like gunshots. It sounds like someone dies every single time he chops someone. I was literally, I'm sitting alone in my apartment watching this match going, Oh my god! Whenever Ghost Shiyazaki chops Sugiura in this match. Uh, Sugiura uses his strength to control, um, but he's getting, he's throwing forearms and forearms and forearms. Start, I think he has, I, I believe the spot is uh, Ghost Shiyazaki is in the in the corner on the ground and Sugiura goes over and just starts boom, forearm. Boom, forearm. Boom, forearm. And eventually, the forearms start giving Go energy, and Ogo's getting up from them. Boom! Gets hit again. He gets up. He gets up. He wakes up. And chop! Chop! The loudest three chops I've heard in my entire life from that comeback. After those chops happen, Sugiura gets this, like, huge choke. I don't even know what to call it, but it was, like, this disgusting choke. And Go is able to power out of it, but Sugiura... He gets it locked in again, and Go passes out, and the match is over. I thought that was fucking cool as hell. Um, like, how is Sugira 51 years old or 52 years old? The man is a fucking monster. Uh, I love the way that Go was just taking those forearms and hulking up out of them. And, like, I loved, uh, I loved just the fact that Sugira was down to just stand there and take these chops and take these chops, and take these chops over, and over, and over. Take him in the corner, take him in the middle of the ring, and just power through them, and choke out Go for the win. I thought it was so fucking cool. Yeah. No, um, it really, like, it's everything you can want from, like, a matchup like this, in my opinion. Um, you know, I, I, I like to do star ratings. I gave Keno Funaki, like, a 3.75. I gave this four and a half stars, so... What did I go? Yeah, like, what did I go? Noah, Noah had so many good matches this month. Um, 
yeah, I mean, I don't have too much else to say that you know, we haven't already said, and yeah. it's just a great match. And I think that to have a Go Shiozaki trial series at the beginning of the year is the ultimate blessing. So I have no complaints, no criticisms. I am into it. Um, yeah, it's awesome. awesome. Yeah, those matches were so cool. So those are the ones that I, I wanted to talk about. Um I I had I I really have only been watching main, the main event scene and like the heavyweight scene. So um this how Neo match you want to talk about. Um I know that they were like in Congo together. I don't really know what's going on here. So yeah, you wanna you wanna talk about uh, the matches you picked out? To add on to yeah, the ones I picked so, out. <laughs> yeah. This um so the year began to with this thing called the U Cup Invitational, which as far as I know, they've never done. It was the weirdest fucking thing. So it takes out or it features four teams. Noah, Stinger, Congo, Paris Del Mal, De Japon. And each team has like four representatives. And basically there's a rules points system to everything. A tag match, 20-minute time limit. Uh, Six-man tag, 30-minute time limit. And it's almost like a G1 style. So... You know, two points for a win, one point for a draw, zero points for a loss. But then it's, like, so weird because there's, like, a junior rumble with 15 people. Um, starts as a singles match. The winner gets two points. And then there's a bunch of different matches. Like, there's a four-way. There's elimination tags. There's uh, multiple tags. And so it's essentially, like, just, like, the Olympics of junior heavyweights and Noah just doing all these different match styles. And then whichever faction had the most points at the end goes into a, um, like, uh, essentially, you know, faction warfare match. And that's it. It's It was weird. I don't have anything really to recommend from it. <laughs> um, you know, the good thing is that Daisuke Harada beat Hayata for the GHC Junior Heavyweight title. Hayata is... You know, a three-star general, if that, I'm not into him. He had, like, seven goddamn defenses. Made no sense. Anyway, it was just really weird. I say all that because after the U-Cup, Howe essentially decided that he was no longer going to be part of Congo, that he was leaving. Um, so he fought in a grudge match against his longtime Congo tag partner, Neo. And this was everything that you need in a grudge match, you know, like, I think the perfect example of just an absolutely failed fucking grudge match will always be the Miz versus the Fiend, Bray Wyatt or whatever. And um, it's like what Bray Wyatt like went into his house, picked up his daughter from his from her crib, and just <laughs> all this shit. And then Bray comes out, he's in the ring, and Miz comes out, he's like, "Oh, so," but he's like doing poses and like, dude, you run in the ring and start head kicking this guy, yeah. right? And that's what this match does. It's a 15-minute time limit draw. You know, I think time limit draws are so well done in Japan. As long as you're not going to do this for six months, I'm okay with time limits. I think that's something that Noah does too sometimes is they'll do these championship preview matches where they'll do like um, – they're like 15 minutes long, and it'll be like Mara Fuji versus um, – like Masala Tanaka, and they'll essentially have a 15-minute draw to really get you hyped for the championship match. They'll go like 30-40. Um, 
So this is like one of those matches where I think it's going to be a preview of what else is going to happen. Seems like House now teaming up with Daisuke Harada, which is really cool. They're going to be an awesome tag team. Um, but yeah, this was everything you could want from like a grudge match. Really stiff, very violent, very emotional, um, you know, visceral in its presentation of violence and emotion. I give this one four stars. And then the last match, um, you know, we can talk about that I think is really big is the, you know, Katsuhiko Nakajima versus Masa Kitamiya at Bumper Crop in Sendai. Uh, you know, long story short, we know the history between these two. Kitamiya betrayed him last year. They've had an on-again, off-again tag team called The Aggression. Um, Kitamiya won Cage War. And then what's interesting is, like, Kitamiya was built up as this monster, like, at the beginning of 2021. I mean, he, like, I don't know if you've gotten to see the match, but Aggression versus... Him and Nakajima versus Sugira and Sakuraba. And the match ends with Kitamiya. He has this, like, finisher where it's almost like this weird, like, sitting figure four leg lock. And then he just, like, flexes headbutt in the tube. And, like, he busts himself open. And he, like, shoot knocked out Sugira. They win the tag titles. Then he fucking betrays Nakajima. And then he wins Cage War. And then he loses to Muta. And then he wins the tag titles, and then he loses them to fucking Muto. And then <laughs> he goes into the N1, and he loses to, like, everyone. He gets, like, one win over goddamn Akatoshi Saito, has no big match at the Wrestle Kingdom event. He's, like, in an opener on the Budokan show. He has no presence. And then he just gets inserted back in the main event here, so... I will say, while this match had a lot of history, it didn't have a lot of heat to me, just because Kitamiya had been, I think, you know, he was the real casualty of 2021, in my opinion, in terms of Noah booking. Um, you know, Inamura was hurt, so he didn't really lose stuff, just kind of where he is. And I feel like you really haven't gotten to see Yoshiki Inamura yet, which is really no, fun. No, not at all. Um, it's going to be awesome. And, but yeah, I... I think that if they held off on this match for a little while longer, it could have been a lot more cool. Like, I think if this, if they did Fujita in January, because that one doesn't need a lot of build, and then you do Kitamiya after, you could have had, like, you know, a lot more story. I would have really liked that, but what can you do? Um, but this was still a really good match. I gave it 4.25. Hard-hitting as hell. A very, very slow pace at first. Um, you know, Kitamiya feels like Ishii at a more slower pace in a way. And I was going to say too, like one of my dream matches is Sugiura versus Ishii. I think that would be... That would like, be crazy. The, <laughs> the, the, the size battle. difference. <laughs> Dude, no, they're both like our five, six kings. Like that would be fucking incredible. Like, the, um, like the muscle... I don't know. <laughs> okay. True, true, true. Um, the width, so the, the width difference. <laughs> It's like a stone pit bull versus a bulldog. Um, and, uh, fuck, yeah, this was a good match. Like, um, another solid Nakajima defense. I'm hoping that they start to do a lot more with Kitamiya. I just think that he needed to be built up a lot more before going for the world title again. Because, you know, now he lost to Mudo in a wildly unimpressive match. He lost to Nakajima in a great fight. But, with, you know, I feel like he didn't quite capitalize on his story. And um, 
yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much it for me on that one. Did you get to see this one or no? I did. I watched this one. Um, I I also went four two five on it. I really enjoyed it, but like I didn't really, I didn't really like get the the like the story that I expected didn't really like, come across from like because I I did I did watch the um, I did watch the pre match video to try and get some of the understanding of what was going on in the match, and then I didn't really feel. I didn't feel it as much, so uh, I didn't want to rewatch this one. I didn't want to take notes on it. I, you know, I didn't really, I didn't feel uh, the need to revisit this one. Like I felt the need to revisit the other four. Yes, um, you know, and I think when you look at, I didn't care much for the match largely because of the finish, but like Rollins and Reigns in Royal Rumble, like. That was palpable emotion and heat between these two, you know, like Rollins coming out to the shield thing and the old attire, like really getting in his fucking head. Kid Amiya could have done stuff like that, but it felt like it was a lot more just this match. And, you know, there's always the good callbacks, but there just wasn't a great emotional component for me. And I feel like that's what my favorite part in wrestling is. You know, there can be a great match, but that does have a ceiling. I think that. If this one had the same emotional factor is you know the other big three we're talking about go nakajima go kaito kaito keno this really could have been up there with those um but like you know 4.25 is really like a match it's really good yeah it's a really good match yeah still a really oh good, yeah totally it's like really, yeah but the problem is like, the, the problem is that we're it's what we're comparing it to yes we're comparing yes. this match to go versus nakajima from one one and like i'm sorry this match was cool, but like, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not. I mean, that's like a top ten match of all time for me. So maybe that isn't fair, but yeah, like, yeah. The thing, like you know, I when this when the match happened, I think I think this one was initially in my top ten of the year, but it quickly fell out because like that, like you know, there's just other stuff. I mean, the three starting matches came after this one. You know what I mean? So like. It was good. It was good. I liked oh. it. Um, it was a. I feel like it was not a great introduction to uh, Masa Kitomiya um, for me. You know, I, I I probably should have gone back and watched other matches of his before I saw this one because it's not. It wasn't a great intro to him. No, I agree, and um, because I would feel like this is probably the least on fire he's been you know like i said he feels pretty extinguished right now and i would really go back and if you have the time to watch that aggression tag match against sugira and sakuraba in the cage war match i think that'll really give you a great picture of who Kidami is and what he's capable of um and why i think this match fell a little short of that um yeah but you know hopefully he starts doing a lot more and you know you want to jump into the february outlook oh uh, yeah so that's the end of the January voyage that we've got on here in this monthly voyage. And now we're going to talk about our February outlook. <laughs> All right, so the only things I know that are going on in uh in noah for february is the goshizaki gauntlet so do you want to talk about that i mean we we, we touched upon it but do you want to go into it maybe just a little bit more 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, coming up on February 10th, it's going to be their next uh, bigger show. And, you know, I think a lot of nice things is even on like every show feels like a bigger show in a way. Um, or not bigger, but like a watchable, important show. Um, this show you're going to have uh, Masakatsu Funaki versus Masaaka Mochizuki for the national title. And then your co-main event is Go Shiyazaki versus Naimichi Marafuji. Hell it's yeah. a pretty fucking insane card right there. Like, um, as well as like 10 man matches, like just on this card too. I mean, yeah, you're going to have um, Sugiyura, Sakuraba, Tanaka, Harada, and Hajime Ohara versus Kitamiya, Inaba, Imamura, Katoge, and Miyawaki. Like that's a fucking crazy match right there. Um, super crazy is in Noah now for a year long contract. I don't we'll know see how that, that I do know that that happened and he immediately got yeah. COVID. Yeah. And he also won the all Japan junior title for a week and then lost <laughs> it. But you know, That's fucking, and, you know, every day it's like one of those things where you wake up and it's like, um, you wake up in New York and you're like, fuck, I'm tired. And it's like, but at least I don't live in Jersey. And it's like, <laughs> you know what? No, no might be her booker, but at least it's not fucking Tajiri. So, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, super crazy's there. Ninja Mac is going over to Noah soon. I in February, looking... allegedly. Yes. So I will say, um, you know, and I want to talk about this briefly too, but GCW is on Wrestle Universe now. It is, yeah. I was trying to figure out what happened, and I'm a big listener on the World of Deathmatch podcast on their Patreon. So Stephen A., who does the Deathmatch um, newsletter, he also did that history of FMW, you know, with um, Brett yeah, and Bahu. Uh, Bahu, you know. And um, so he helped, like, broker the deal with DD, with uh, Cyberfight and GCW. So I think, you know, he was also talking about how I think borders are going to open soon. It's going to be like a three-day quarantine, so it seems like there's going to be a lot more opportunity for American talent to come over. Um, it's going to be awesome. Like, it's going to be really, really fucking cool. I think that NOAA was a company that a lot of foreigners didn't go to in the mid-2000s because New Japan was so hot. But in the pandemic, you know, the geography, the landscape of J Japanese pro wrestling has changed a lot. You know, I think a lot of guys are still with Noah, but I think a Blake once Ninja Mac goes to the junior scene, yeah, I think you could start seeing a Blake Christian and Alex Zane and these people going over there too, which could yeah. be awesome. Um, I think an AJ, I think, I think AJ Gray could work the heavyweight scene pretty well. I think, which would be, be pretty AJ cool. Gray, like, I would love to see him <laughs> in all Japan, man. Like, oh, so many people like. KTV and Shane Mercer and the tag division. I, okay, a lot of cool uh, here's shit. the thing. I know that you. I know you had like, you like posted like who you would what like how. I think I think like the 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 question that's posed on Twitter was like, if you could recreate the Dragon Gate roster with like members they have now and like foreign members, like who would it be? Um, someone who I immediately thought of that I think would be like an incredible Dragon Gate wrestler is Shane Mercer. She because Shane Mercer, if you think about it, he has like a really similar build um as Pat, who I think is like the most successful Gaijin Dragon Gate has ever had. And I yeah. think that like I think that he can work as fast as they work in in Dragon Gate. And I think his power would be showcased insanely well there. I think he'd be like a really good addition to Dragon Gate. Yeah, I mean, Dragon Gate's cool because, you know, 
you have the smaller guys and then you have the bigger guys who kind of bring like a more strong style but then yeah. you have the bigger guys who can work the dragon gate style like you're got big boss shimizu yep, and yep. shit like that kai is the open the dream gate champion right now seems like they're getting some more big boys in mercer i'm like i'm just imagining mercer with like dragon dia just like flipping him four times in the air like he could toss this motherfucker 10 feet in the air and then just give him a jackhammer you know oh yeah um, <laughs> that would be really really cool um but uh yeah like it's uh I'm sorry, just saw my Twitter's open because I was checking who I picked, and I just the top tweet was Brett Lauderdale saying, $480 worth of broken chairs last night. I'm pissed. Um, <laughs> just pretty funny. But um, yeah, okay, back to fucking Noah. We have the big match of the month. I don't, this is either the very end of January. Let me see, actually, or February, sorry. Um, yeah, February 22nd, Katsuyuki Fujita versus Katsuhiko Nakajima. I am a huge Fujita mark. Um, I mentioned it in my Go essay, but like, you know, one thing I really love about all Japanese wrestling is that you're getting all those tag matches building up the feud. And when it was Fujita versus Shiozaki, dude, Fujita like broke his fucking eardrum. He like dislocated his jaw. This dude just hits you like he punts you even if you're not protected in the fucking head. Like, <laughs> granted, one day someone might get wildly injured, but for now, this dude is just a monster. And this is going to be, you know, I think Nakajima's biggest challenge yet in terms of just fighting a sheer monster, which I'm super, super stoked about. And um, it's just going to be great. But um, I do need to get yeah, going. Yeah, but, no, like, this, is... this was so much fucking fun i'm excited for the next voyage yes this is gonna be great yeah thank you for having me nikki uh, i'm very excited you're welcome thanks, yeah, for, thanks for doing this <laughs> we got to have to figure thank out some you. like some sailor send-off for this but uh boy yeah, by okay, captain bon voyage bon voyage <laughs> i'll talk to you later yeah bye <laughs>